Thanks for listening to the High Street Young Adults Podcast. For more information and how to get connected, check out highstreet.org slash youngadults. How's everybody doing tonight? Doing good? Man, you guys look good tonight. Like Logan said, my name is Rob, and uh, my wife Kyla, who's right there in the front row, and I, we get to, we have the privilege to lead a young adults community like this in California, uh, in, in Anaheim, California. We're like 10 minutes away from Disneyland, uh, which is pretty cool. Uh, hey, next month, my wife and I celebrate two years of marriage. So I think we have a picture of my wife and I. Yeah, look at that. I'm wearing the same shirt. How did that happen? Anyway. Um, man, I, we're so, I, listen, I'm, I love this community so much for so many reasons, but one of the main reasons I love this community is because I met my wife here, which is pretty awesome. How many single people we have in the room right now? Let's see it. Loud and proud. Listen, this could be you too. If it worked for me, it can work for you 100%. Okay. You know, uh, we've been, like I said, we've almost been married two years now. And, uh, so things are getting pretty serious and, um, one thing that's happened that's pretty big for our family is that we got a dog, okay? And this is, this is a picture of our dog. Her name is Junie. And Ju- I've never had a dog before. Some of you guys in here like know that I've never had pets, didn't know how to handle them, didn't know what to do. But my wife is a big pet lover, so we got a dog. And I was kind of nervous about it because I knew that I'm like, I just don't know what to do. And, I, and people kept saying, every time you would get a dog, you know how people just love to be like killjoys? You know, they're like, hey, we're getting a dog. They're like, you know how much work it is? And I'm like, let's cool it on that. Um, but they, we, they were just talking all this stuff. And we pick up this dog and it's, guys, we picked the perfect dog. Like, honestly, I know it's just like, she was sweet. She was kind. She was not rough. She respected me as the man of the house. Like she, she was perfect. On the first day we get her home and she's just sweet snuggling with us. And I just thought, these jokers don't even know what they're talking about. I got the perfect dog. I got the best dog. It's gonna be awesome. It's kind of like my wife's first thing together. So it's like kind of fun. Um, so it's just kind of fun. So that was the first day. Um, the next week, it kind of, uh, we, some different things happened for us. Um, you know, I, my wife and I both work and so, uh, we let her, we keep her in a little cage. Sounds bad. We keep her in a kennel. Is that, yeah, cage? A crate. Keep her in a crate um, throughout the day. And we let her out like at lunchtime and then, you know, a little break um, before we come home. And I get home 30 minutes before Kyla. And so my job that I figured out is like I had to go home and I have to let the dog out and like go to the bathroom. And so I get home one day, the next week. And as soon as I walk in the door, this aroma hits me. And I'm like, this is not right. This is not the normal aroma that usually is sitting in this house. And I look over and I see this, this aroma has like permeated to every corner of our apartment. And I look over at our, my once loving, beautiful, respectful dog. And she is freaking out, trying to get out of the cage, freaking out, freaking out. And I don't know what to do. I've never had a pet. And I notice something beside the dog. She has left me a present right there in the cage. And not only did she leave me the present, but she had the grace to mat it down all over the place, you know? She mat it down everywhere and she got the presents all over her paws, all over her little snout, all over, all over her face. 
And I, I, I didn't know what, to, I was like, this is one of those times where like, I just don't know what to do. And so I, I and, and guys, listen, I, I don't do well with smells. Like my wife would describe me as dramatic, but like, I just don't do well with a lot of different smells like this. And so I, it was one of those, I was like, okay, you just got to do it. You got to figure this out. You, you can't come home to your wife and you, like, you can't leave this for her. So I'm like, okay, you got to do this. So I'm like, okay, we got to, here we go. So I, I kind of cover my mouth and I let the dog out and the dog immediately just starts jumping on me with all of her, all of the presents that are wrapped all over her. And I'm just like, get off me, get off me. And I started yelling at the dog. And I tell you what, it was the worst day to wear a white shirt. Like it really was, like it was awful. And I didn't know what to do, I was so flustered. So I just, I just kind of threw the dog outside and I shut the door and I have, and I'm just like, what? You ever just like, you ever like leave a situation and you're like, what, what's happening right now? And so I'm like, okay, Rob, this is one of those times you just got to push through the fear of the smell and everything else. So you just got to go for it. And so I'm like, okay, here we go. Big boy time. Let's do this thing. And so I, I, uh, I go out and I'm like, I'm about to reason with the dog. Because again, I've never had a dog. So I'm like, listen, Junior, you're going to sit down for me for a second, okay? And we're going to get through this together. So I, I open the door to reason with the dog. And the dog jumps back on me like a little freak. And she's just trying, any spot that was uncovered is now covered on my shirt and on my body. And I, I just was at my, I was at my wit's end. And I, and I again, I, I threw her outside and I just started, I started to turn on the faucet outside and try to wipe her or wash her little paws off. I'd never felt paws before. They're crazy. They're insane. It's, it was not a sensation I was expecting. And I, I, was, I was like, this is one of those moments where I just, I was like, okay, here we go. And in the middle of me, and she's like trying to like get on me and she's like kind of biting me a little bit. And again, I'm still kind of scared of her. Um, and so I'm like, I don't, I'm like freaking out. And then all of a sudden the water just turns off, like inexplicably, it just turns off. And so I just, I, I've hit my limit of what I know how to do. And I just start, I start kind of like regretting every decision we've ever made. And so I'm like, I just start calling Kyla. And I start calling Kyla, and I start calling Kyla, and I called her seven times, and she doesn't pick up. And this is a situation that we've talked about before because she's a speech therapist. She just can't have any vibrating or anything like that, and so she keeps everything on like silent, no vibrate. And so this is the topic of discussion. We're like, honey, you got to turn it on after you get up for work because you just never answer my call. And so I just start, I just start freaking out, and I don't know what to do. And so finally, after seven missed calls, I send her the most frantic text. I've ever sent anybody, and I have it on the screen. And this is what it says. It says, I really need you to answer your phone. Honey, you have to switch your phone to buzzing after work. I'm so frustrated with the dog. I don't know what to do. I need help. I've got presents all over me. She won't stay outside without barking bloody murder. I rinsed her paws and she's freaking out. I need help bad. Please call. If you want to know what marriage is like, um, it's frantic texts like that a lot. Um, but you know what? The Lord is good and his mercies endureth forever. We uh, got through that. And um, Junie's awesome. She's the best dog now. We love her so much. And uh, it's, really, it's really great. So I would encourage getting a dog. Um, it's awesome for the most part. You know, I remember uh, back in 2014 when uh, a small group of us graduated from college um, around here, and um, we, we dreamt about starting a, a young adults community um, here in Springfield. 
Because we noticed that we had friends who we went to school with, who we went to like youth group with, who maybe we went to college ministry with, who they, they kind of experienced this angst of young adulthood. And if you don't know what the angst of young adulthood is, just kind of wait a little bit because it's going to hit you at some point. And we noticed we had some friends of ours just kind of like realized they, they kind of felt this discontentment of like a new season of life. And so instead of trying to get more, like, you know, plugged into the church, they just kind of ejected because there wasn't a really a space for people like that. And I remember my friends and I were just devastated to see some of the people that we loved and cared about so much didn't feel like they had a place didn't feel like they had a community within church. And so we dreamt as we, as we, you know, we were like, what could we do to stop this? What could we do to show that there's a better way? What could we do to show that, that church and community is for them? And it matters so much because we're in a season of life that's so new and it's so interesting and it's so angsty and you don't know what's next. And so we prayed about what, what God would do, and we kind of banded together, and we prayed that we would be a community, that we would, we would make it hard for young adults in Springfield to lose their faith. We banded together, like, what if, what if we created a community to make it hard for people to feel like they, they didn't have a place in church? What if we created a community where we, we, made it, we made it hard for people to lack purpose in their life? What if we created a community where it was easy for people to find friendships and community and to be encouraged? Like what if we created a community where people actually like grew in their faith and they, and they knew God on such a deeper level than they had ever experienced before? And so we started out with just a small group and by God's grace and some amazing leadership here, you guys have seen just incredible things happen here at Young Adults. And I just wanna honor uh, uh, Jared and Coco and Logan for all their leadership here at Young Adults. Man, they bring such a unique and invaluable gift uh, to you guys every single week. And can we just give it up for your leadership today? You guys have taken it to new heights and incredible things. And I also want to honor you know, Pastor Eddie for, at the very beginning, believing in young adults when we didn't know what that was and, and you know, believing and empowering people. And man, you guys don't even realize how blessed you are to have a pastor that believes in young adults and empowers young adults. Can we honor Pastor Eddie today as well? Man. You know, tonight we're, gonna, we're closing out this, this series in Philippians. We're closing out the gatherings for the year. And, um, you know, tonight we're only going to cover a couple verses. Um, and I, I just think that these are, in these verses tonight, we're going to look at what the Apostle Paul um, is writing here. And, and Paul gets super practical about what it means to live a life of faith. A life that actually looks like Jesus. A life that actually, when the trouble comes in life, that you're not going to be knocked down. Because Paul knew something that we've experienced before, and I'm sure you've experienced it as well, that it's easy just to go through the motions of church. It's easy to go through the motions of maybe technically barely being in a community. It's easy to go through the motions of a lot of spiritual things. And we know that if you do this for a long period of time, if you just go through the motions of church, go through the motions, all this stuff, someday turbulence will happen in your life. And when the turbulence comes and when this angst comes, you will not know how to deal with it. You will think, man, I thought God would be speaking to me by now. 
I thought God was, they, they talked that God wants to be actively involved in moving and changing and growing and, and doing incredible things, but I don't feel like God's doing that. And you can go through the motions and feel this, this, this lack in your relationship with God, and then when turbulence hits, you're going to be like, you know what, I'm ejecting. I'm going to eject from church. I'm going to eject from my faith, maybe. I'm going to eject from, from God because I just don't think it actually works. And I really do believe that Paul, as he's writing this letter to the church in Philippi, he's writing to us today because he knows how easy it is to go through the motions. And what Paul wants you to do in these three verses is he wants you to shift your perspective. He wants you to shift your perspective. And so we're going to read in Philippians chapter 3, verses 17 through 20. We have it on the screens. It says this, Dear brothers and sisters, Pattern your lives after mine and learn from those who follow my example. For I have told you often before, and I say it again with tears in my eyes, that there are many whose conduct shows that they're really enemies of the cross of Christ. They're headed for destruction. Their God is their appetite, and they brag about shameful things, and they think only about this life here on earth. But we are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives, and we are eagerly waiting him to return as our savior. If you wanna make it in your Christian life, if you wanna make it the long haul, if you wanna, if you wanna at the end of your life, be categorized as a person of, who had true faith, who was, who was faithful to God, and whose life was not shake, taken down by the turbulence that will come, you need to figure out what Paul is saying right here. And the first thing I want you to let you know, we have three points for you today from each of the three verses. And the first point I want you to, do, to know, and what Paul wants you to know, is to check your circle. Turn to the person next to you and say, check your circle. You know, I love that Paul gives us permission in this passage to look at other people around us who are living lives that are following Jesus, who are spiritual leaders, who are people who are following Jesus in incredible ways. And he says, listen, do what they're doing. Like, look at, see how they're following Jesus? Just like, just imitate that, follow that. And, you know, Paul, Paul says literally, he's like, hey, look, pattern your lives after me. And earlier in this, in this book, he, he looks at his boys, Tim, Timothy and, and Epaphroditus, and he says, listen, these dudes get it. These dudes love Jesus. They are serving people. They, they've, they've got it. You, like, follow me, follow people who, who, are, who are living their lives like this. And I love that, it reminded me as I was reading this, this verse in Hebrews 13, 7, and this is a verse that I, every time I get to share my story with people, I get to mention this verse, and it says this. It says, remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Consider the outcome of the way of life and imitate their faith. You know, for me, I, when, when I think of my, my leaders, my spiritual leaders, the people who have poured into me uh, in an incredible way, I, I, don't, I don't think I would be anywhere where I, where I, where I, uh, that I am now if I, wouldn't, if I didn't have people around me that were so surrounding me that I was trying to imitate their faith because they were so faith-filled, they were so good, they were so kind, they were so generous. You know, I had the unique opportunity for <clears throat> my whole life for my dad to be my pastor and my pastor to be my dad. And when I think about this verse and when I think about patterning, patterning your lives after, after people who love Jesus, I've, I've thought immediately about my dad. 
man, I look at my dad over the course of the, the decades, and I, I, I've seen my dad hear from God and move from his hometown where he knew everybody. He had all his community, had all his friendships, had all everything going, and he felt the call of God to move someplace different because he believed God's calling in his life. Like, I remember, I remember seeing people talk bad about my dad, who would lie about my dad, who tried to slander him. And when I wanted to get real, real mad and angry, he would say, forgive. Forgive them. That's not good. You got to forgive. I remember my dad, when he would do something to, uh, against me or he would, like, wrong me, he would come up to me and he would apologize. He said, Rob, I, I, I have to apologize. I sinned in that area. Please, can you forgive me? I remember my dad constantly taking the, the road of integrity when the easy road was much closer and much red, more readily available. And I look at his faithfulness and I look at his life and I think, wow, I want to I be categorized like that. I want to be a person who obeys God's calling even when it doesn't make sense in my life. I want to be a person who, is, is so, uh, who forgives when life gets hard and when the people around you don't deserve forgiveness. I want to be a person who instead uh, who, who wants to who live in humility and has the humility to apologize when, when I mess up. I want to be a person who's full of integrity. You know, I, I want to be a person who surrounds myself with people who push me to be more like Jesus because God kind of knows that we're relational people. He knows that we, we're broken people and we need examples of other people doing it in order for us to learn and for us to grow. And I love that this instruction from Paul, it, it actually pushes you towards community. It pushes you, it pushes you towards each other and we get to become a people that celebrates what God is doing amongst our group. We get to celebrate when we make the, the decision that honors God. We get to celebrate and be a part of these different things. Because here's what we know. Life is not a solo sport. It's a team sport. And when you try to do life by yourself, eventually, no matter what great intentions you may have, you're going to slowly drift and slowly drift. So you need to check your circle. Who are you surrounding yourselves with? Who, who has the loudest voice in your head? Who's speaking to you into your life the most? You know, if you give me your five best friends, I could prophesy into your next five years of life, and I'm not even a prophet. Because we, we know this, because there, there's a theme throughout the Bible. You know, it says in Proverbs, hey, if you, wanna, if you, if you walk with the wise, you're going to be wise. It says in Corinthians, he says, hey, don't, don't get this mixed, mixed up. He said, bad company corrupts good character. It says in 2 Corinthians, he says, listen, don't be like unequally yoked with unbelievers. We're relational people. That's why Paul says, follow me or, and follow the people around me who are, who are loving Jesus, who are living according to God's word, who are doing things the right way. And what's incredible is you guys have an incredible community here full of people who are crazy about Jesus who are generous with their time, their talent, and their treasure, who want to, who will be willing to pour back into other people. You have an incredible, incredible community here. And Paul said it matters. It matters who you listen to. It matters who you pattern your life after. He says, follow after me. Pattern your life after people who, who love Jesus and obey him. He says, check your circle. But he doesn't stop there. 
He says in verse 18, he says this, for I have told you often before, and I say again with tears in my eyes. Listen, if you listen to Apostle, the Apostle Paul, like throughout the New Testament, like Paul seems kind of like a dude who doesn't care about feelings, you know? Like he doesn't seem like a guy who's like so worried about offending people. He'd be an eight on the Enneagram. Like he just, he'll run over, it seems like he'd run over people. But I just think it's so interesting that in this passage, he says, I have told you before and I say again, with tears in my eyes, that there are many whose conduct shows that they're really enemies of the cross of Christ. They're headed for destruction. Their God is their appetite. And they brag about shameful things, and they only think about this life here on earth. You know, every time in Scripture when there's a warning just like this, the warning is not trying to punish you. The warning is always trying to protect you. And the second thing that if you really want to know what following Jesus is about, if you really want to live, like, you know, finish the race as a Christian, if you want to not get thrown down when the turbulence comes, you have to live different. You have to live different. You know, in 2007, the Oakland Raiders selected Jamarcus Russell with the number one overall pick. And man, Jamarcus was like this big arm talent. I have a picture of him uh, back over here. He was this big arm talent, uh, you know, from LSU. And he was just like, man, he could throw football like crazy far. And I remember he, get, he got like a $62 million, or $68 million contract as a rookie without even playing a snap of football. $31 million guaranteed. Like that's the way to do it. And then straight out of the gate, Jamarcus kind of fell flat. Like, Jamarcus started showing up to practice not really knowing anything. He would show up to, to practice, like, overweight and out of shape, and, and it would just kind of happen over and over again. And it got to the point where the Raiders organization, they're like, I don't even know if this guy is doing what we've asked him to do. And so they gave him, uh, you, give, you would give players, like, game film to watch and stuff. And so they, gave, they made a blank game film tape, and they said, Jamarcus, take this home, and I want you to watch it and then tell us about it tomorrow, just to, chest, just to test him. And the next day came about, and they, Jamarcus handed back the tape to him, and they said, what was on the tape? And he responded, blitz packages. Like, Jamarcus, like, like he was not committed to this whole being an NFL quarterback situation. And by his third year, he was released from the Raiders. His career and his reputation ruined and this is, this is an interesting story because he's considered one of like the biggest busts of all time. And this is interesting because quarterbacks in the NFL, they have to live differently in order to succeed. Like quarterbacks in the NFL, if you want to be successful, like you have to be the first person in, the last person out. Like you have to be the person who is committed to staying in shape always. You got to be the Tom Brady, whatever he does to stay, he's going to be playing until he's 55. Like he's, like you got to be, you got to be on it. You got to be watching film constantly. You got to be just committed to all this stuff. And Jamarcus, he didn't want to live different. So he didn't get to experience the, just the incredible privilege it would be to be a quarterback in the National Football League. And because of that, he was out. And the Raiders fan base is still waiting for a savior to come and to, and to bring them into the promised land. Listen, when you, when you don't live different, you won't be able to accomplish what God has for you. You know, grace, 
is extended to everyone. God offers grace to everybody, but I do believe that not everybody is, I think a lot of people will miss out on the extent of God's blessing that he wants to give you just because we don't live in obedience to him. You know, it really comes down to living a life of obedience. And Paul is warning against this, living a life this way because he knows that there is so much more than just this life. He knows that there is life after this one. He knows that there are blessings that people are missing out on. He knows that there are gifts and abilities that are inside of you that God wants to use. And he knows this and he's so wanting you to experience God working in your life in a huge way. And he says this with tears in his eyes. He says, you got, you, you got to do this. You got to live different. There's so many things that God wants to do in your heart. But if you don't open yourself up to him and give him everything, then you're going to limit what God can do in your life. So what in your life looks different because of following Jesus? Does your dating relationships look different now after following Jesus? If you were to take your name off a survey and you submitted all this stuff, would people be able to say, oh, that person's definitely a Christian? That person follows Jesus. That person's loved Jesus. Does the way you look at people who are mean to you, enemies of you, is that different? Does, does your sexuality look different because you follow Jesus? Does the way you spend your money look different because you follow Jesus? Does, does the way you speak at people and interact with people look different because you follow Jesus? You know, I think one of the most important things, I think a group like this, and if you're here tonight, maybe a friend brought you, maybe you're searching for something, I don't know, but I can, I can know this, that everybody, we want to make the right decision. We want to make decisions that are wise and good. But a lot of times we will, we will wait to make the decision until we are in the pressure of the decision-making time. And if we wait until that time, then the pressure will eat our lunch. That's why we need to be a people who are principle-based rather than pressure-based. Being principle-based just means this, making the decision beforehand making the decision beforehand. Because if you always delegate your decision-making to the time when you have to make the decision or the pressure of the situation is on you, then the chances are you're going to make a bad decision. Make the decision now to align your, your life and your lifestyle and your decisions with God. Be a person of principle, not pressure. And God doesn't want you to do this just to be this cosmic killjoy who says, don't do this, don't do this, you can't do this, Look like you have to do everything like I do. He, he's not saying this just because he wants to stop your fun. He's saying this because any time that you do something that doesn't honor Christ, doesn't honor God, any time you sin, there's always a separation. And there's always a separation when that happens. And we, and we know this, and Paul is saying this, that a separation always you know, pushes us away and we start doing what we want to do in our own thing. And eventually it's going to lead to death. It's going to lead to bad decisions. So today, let's be people who are principle-based, not pressure-based. Let's be people who align ourselves with God because God knows what's best for us. And he wants us to experience this joy that's found in him. But he knows there's only one way to do it. You gotta align yourself with God. You gotta, you gotta be principle-based. 
And the last thing I want to talk about is in verse 20. It says this, but we are citizens of heaven when the Lord Jesus Christ, where the Lord Jesus Christ lives, and we are eagerly awaiting for him to return as our Savior. And the last point, we got, we got to first, we got to check our circle. The next thing we do, we have to live different. And the last thing we need to do is we need to represent our home. You know, growing up in Springfield in Missouri, uh, now that I live in California, in Southern California, I have this like weird pride for the Midwest. You know, like every, I feel like I'm like the representative of Missouri to California. So like, I feel like every time I see someone in a Bass Pro Shop hat, I'm just like, hey, no problem, man. I got you. No, no big deal. We in this. We in this. You know, like I want to take credit for it. I want to be like, hey, that's just, like every, every time someone mentions Brad Pitt, I'm just like, hey, yeah, yeah, we, Springfield's home. Here we go. Yeah. We in this, you know? I want to do it. I have this like pride that I'm like, every time I want to do this, I want to remind people. I'm like, listen, I'm from Missouri. You know, go Bears. Woo. Um, class of 13. There we go. That was dumb. Shouldn't have said that. Um, you know, Paul reminds us, he's like, listen, if you're a Christian, you, you belong to someplace different. Like, this is not your home. You know, other, other letters that Paul has written, he, he calls us ambassadors for Christ, ambassadors for heaven. And, and I love everywhere you go, he says you are to represent your home. You got to represent where you've come from, represent. You know, an ambassador is simply, it's, it's, it's just a high-ranking dignitary set out to represent their country in a foreign land. And this person is not elected. This person is selected by a king or a, or a leader or a president to go and, to, and to, to express the culture of the place, of their homeland, to express the value of their homeland to a foreign land. And so if I was an ambassador to, to Chile, my job would be to do this. It would be to represent my country. It would be to build relationships with people around me. And if, there were, and if any tension ever arose, it would be to reconcile the relationships to make sure that people were good. And this is what Christ wants us to do. This is what Paul is telling us to do. We need to be, we're citizens of heaven. We need to be ambassadors for Jesus everywhere we go. We need to represent Jesus everywhere in your classrooms, in where you work, back at home, anywhere you interact with people, you need to represent. The second thing is you need to bring Jesus into your relationships with the people around you. I love that we talk about finding the one all the time because it's so important to not keep this hope like bottled up within you. You need to let it out. It's supposed to be let out. And the third thing is we bring this, this message of reconciliation with God. Like God is not mad at people. Like he loves people and he's come down and lived a perfect life through Jesus and he died on the cross for our sins to reconcile us to heaven, reconcile us to God. And because of that, we can have a connection to God the Father. This is, this is what we should be all about. And for a long time, I would be so nervous of this idea of like, man, I don't, I don't think I could be a good representative of God because I don't know everything. Have you guys ever felt that? Like, I don't know how, to, like, I don't know enough Bible to do this. Like, I don't know enough, like, I don't know enough answers to, like, I would think that everyone would ask me all the hardest apologetic answers you could ever ask. And I'd be like, I just can't do it, so I'm probably out. But listen, the, it's okay. You don't have to know everything. No one knows everything. But what you have to do is this. If you want to be a good ambassador for Jesus, you need to do this because you need, you need to realize that the people around you, they will read your life 
well before they ever read scripture. They'll read you and what you do well before they do anything else. And you don't need to know everything there is to know about the Christian faith, but what you need to do is to be an expert witness to the change that's taking place within you. You need to be an expert witness to what God is doing on the inside. It's it's as simple as, man, I used to be so angry and I just would be so mad and I would blow the people. But God came in and radically changed my life. And I don't know how to explain it, but like I just don't get as upset. Like he's come in, this fruit of the spirit of like self-control has like taken root. And I'm growing every day. I'm not perfect, but I'm figuring it out. We have to be expert witnesses at what God is doing on the inside of us. That's when you can be an effective ambassador, an effective citizen of heaven. You know, I'm gonna close and, and tell this story. You know, we started at Young Adults Ministry, you know, a couple years ago in uh, California. And uh, we uh, went on campus um, to uh, invite people to our gathering. And I, uh, I like shamelessly used my dog to bring on campus to get people to come in. I have a picture of my dog uh, right now. I, we, it's like we brought in signs saying, yes, you can pet the dog. Junie surrendered her full-time ministry, which is great. Um, and so she's letting people in. And we got to go on campus. And let me tell you, if you ever want to just like be popular on college campus, bring a dog. Like if you want to get a girlfriend, bring a dog. It's, it's like it's, girls will stop you. Um, it's great. And, um, and I remember we, we, like, we got to talk to hundreds of people that were like coming in and they didn't care about us. They just wanted to talk to the dog. But we got to like slip them like an invitation to young adults. And um, I got to meet these two, two guys that were twins and they, they had heard me talk about the dog before. And they're like, hey, is this the dog that from church? And I'm like, how'd you know about that? And they're like, hey, we visited your church last week just on a whim. And then we saw you guys here, which is kind of crazy. Like, that's insane. And so I'm like, that's, that is insane. Um, and so we kind of hit it off a little bit. And they came to church the next week and came to young adults. And we, got, we just struck up a friendship. And um, the next week, their parents were in town. And they wanted to see where they were going to church. And I got to meet the family, and I got to meet this family that's uh, up on the screen right here. And, uh, and it was really cool. The, the dad of these two guys is Filipino, and I, I grew up in the Philippines. My parents are missionaries to the Philippines. And so he goes, and if you ever meet a Filipino, then they're just like, it's just so, it's, everyone's excitable. I get excited, they get excited, it's just fun. Um, and so he's like, hey, how did you, like, do you, like would you know any, like, missionaries? And I'm like, yeah, I was, I grew up in the Philippines, it's crazy. Um, yeah, my parents are missionaries. He goes, what's your, what's your parents' names? I'm like, I don't know if you know them. It's Eddie and Cindy Lyons. And he goes, Lyons? I, I know a Lyons. He's like, is there, is there like an older Lyons in the Philippines? And I said, well, yeah, my, my grandfather, Boyd Lyons, is there. And he goes, and his eyes got real big, and he stopped. And he looked at me and he said, Boyd Lyons, that's it. And I'm like, what are, you, what are you talking about? And he goes, it was your grandfather who was just walking out in the streets of Manila, going around and sharing Jesus with people. And he came across my grandfather, who was a drunk, who drove a jeepney, and he shared with him the story of Jesus. And it changed everything for him. And he gave his life to Christ. And ever since then, nothing, is, nothing has been the same. And I'm just like, 
it's one of those like holy moments where you're just like, I don't even, I'm not even worthy to be in this conversation right now. And he said, and he said, not only that, but your grandfather actually sponsored my grandfather to go to a year at BBC in Springfield, Missouri. I'm like, what? I'm like, this is crazy. And he, and he looked at me and he and his wife looked at me and he said, because of your grandfather, we would not be here today if it wasn't for him. Our family's trajectory is forever changed and we know Jesus and my kids know Jesus because of your grandfather. You know, I think of people who I wanna model my life after. When I think of people who I wanna model the things after them because they so love Jesus and they so are passionate about Jesus, my grandpa's in my top five. Like he, I, I, look at, I look at him, I look at his faithfulness and I look at the people he surrounded himself with who were just, just his faith filled, who pushed him on and he pushed them on. And I look at, I look at him and I look at his character and how he, he just lived a life for Christ. He patterned his life. And, he, and, he, and his, if you looked at his life, you'd be like, that dude loves Jesus for sure. And then now he, I look at him, I'm like, man, you talk about someone who carries the responsibility of an ambassador for heaven, an ambassador for Jesus. My grandpa will, will tell every waitress, every waiter about God. He's witnessing to everybody in the hospital rooms he's been in. Like when I was little, I'd be so embarrassed by it. I'm just like, again, we're gonna do this again. But like, it's, it's just everything about, he's just, he's, I'm an ambassador. I gotta tell people. I gotta let people know. That's what happens when you obey God and you obey God's word. It doesn't just change you, although it does change you. If you check your circle and surround yourself with good people, if you, if you, you know, align your heart and your actions to the word of God, and then you live a life as an ambassador for Jesus, that will affect everything in you. But not only that, it will send ripple effects around you. And it could affect, affect generations and generations of people. And now, Peyton and Austin and I, we're starting a group on campus and we're like, okay, Let's see who we can reach. Let's figure out what we can do. This is what Apostle Paul is saying. He's saying this is what it means to follow Jesus. This is what it means to pattern your life after people who love Jesus. And if you want to make it through life, and if you want to make it the long haul as a Christ follower, follower and, and get through the turbulence of life that is gonna come, that's gonna try to knock you down, then you need to shift your perspective. You need to do what Paul says us to do. And today, I just wanna close as you bow your heads and close your eyes. Mm-hmm.